Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another regular episode of Black Brew. I'm Aaron. And I'm Josh. And it's been a very long time. For the last three episodes, you've heard from people being on our podcast for Pride Month. But the Pride Month is now over. Um, but to the people who, I just want to say to the people who did message our Instagram about being on our podcast for Pride Month, have no fear. We, it was just very hard to squeeze in a lot of people. The people who did message our Instagram, you can still be on our podcast as a guest one day. I know who you are. It's just, it was very hard to squeeze in so many people in like two weeks, the last two weeks of Pride. So um, there's that. Remember to follow our Instagram. We don't have enough followers. Follow us on Instagram at Black mm-hmm. Group Podcast. And also leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And share the fucking podcast to your friends. Why are none of you sharing this shit? Share it. It's prime quality. Thank you. So we have two topics to do. First, for our political segment, segment, we're going to talk about voting rights because if you haven't been keeping up with the news, there's been a lot of shit going on with voting and people taking away voting rights and people talking about voter fraud and all of this stuff. There's been bills passed. There's been bills rejected. There's been Supreme Court rulings about voting. So we're going to talk about that. And later, we're going to talk about hookup culture because Josh and I both exist in hookup culture and we have some very interesting perspectives on it. But first, Josh. Yes. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's get into some political tea. Shall we? Mm. Okay, so um, I don't know how kept up you are with the news about voting rights, but are you kept up in the news about voting rights? So a little bit. Um, for the sun that goes across my feed, um, I know that there was some major moves made. What was it in Texas that Arizona. limited? Huh? Oh, I didn't hear about Texas. I heard about Arizona and Georgia. Maybe it was that. It was some. It was some state out west. Arizona, that, um, Georgia, Florida. It was definitely some major T. That was for certain. Mm-hmm. Like limiting um, how votes can be dropped off. Um, something about if you vote in a place that isn't your assigned like district or whatever, mm-hmm. it can't transfer. It would just be canceled, mm-hmm. which I think is really stupid. Yeah. So to give people who are not, I guess, know anything about voting. Um, voting rights has been a very integral issue. Uh, we know, you should know from history class, hopefully, about the voting rights of uh, 1965, which, you know, was supposed to guarantee that we would not be discriminated based on XYZ for like voting. And then in 2013, there was a uh, Supreme Court case, uh, Shelby County v. Holder, uh, Alabama, yay. Um, where uh, the Supreme Court, uh, it was it was about section. Oh, I want to say two. Let me see. Um, section two of the Voting Rights Act. I might be wrong, but I think it is section two. Um, that said that 
the Supreme Court rule that, oh no, sorry, it was section five of the Voting Rights Act, which required certain states and local governments to obtain federal pre-clearance before implementing any changes to their voting laws or practices. So section five is pretty much like, if you had a history of discriminatory practices when it comes to voting, you need to get federal pre-clearance before you enact some new voting law. So that was that, that was Shelby Counter. But the, um, the court ruled five to four that it was unconstitutional to, to have section, because there was a Supreme Court case bought. And so, and the people who brought the court case to the Supreme Court used section five as their evidence of like why what was happening in Shelby County was wrong. And so the Supreme Court ruled that using section five for that reason was unconstitutional because it was based on data that was over 40 years old, meaning it was no longer responsive to current needs. Um, so, uh, um, so the court did not strike down section five, um, but uh, no jurisdiction will be subject to section five plea clearance unless Congress enacts a new coverage formula. And what happened, this happened in 2013, but what happened recently um, was, uh, and so now that that happened, this is why you've seen all of these uh, state legislators that legislatures that are Republican dominated, they've been passing all of these like new like bills and stuff. Like you can't give out food and water to people standing in line. Or if you vote at the wrong precinct, then they can just literally just like cancel your ballot. Or like there are like new voter ID laws, like all of this stuff that that you probably like, oh, Georgia? No, you probably need to get some pre-clearance because you definitely told black people that you couldn't vote. But recently there was a court case uh, uh, that rule is six to three um, for, I think this was section two, Brinovich versus Democratic National Committee um, that claims that uh, uh, the laws were discriminating against minorities. And I think this, yeah, they were using section two of the Voting Rights Act as 1965, which prohibits voting practices or procedures that discriminate on the basis of race or spoken language. But the Supreme Court said, no, that's not what's happening. So section two is now, now people can't really come to the Supreme Court on that basis. And so now the only way that this can, this like voting rights can pretty much be restored as if they were there to begin with, but is through Congress passing some kind of legislation, which they have been doing. They passed, there was a bill presented called For the People Act, which was rejected. They're now crafting a new bill that is called the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, I think, uh, that's supposed to be pretty much a more like restorative voting rights bill. It has not been presented to the House, Senate floor yet, but they're in the process of making it. I do not think it will be passed since right now they only have one Republican who is supporting it. I don't know if it will even pass because Republicans are saying that this is not discriminatory. So having all of that context that I literally just shat on you, Josh. So what, what specifically do the Republicans not consider discriminatory? Like, because you, you did send out a whole lot of information. So like in bullet points, like they don't think it's discriminatory to stop someone from voting because of their primary language. 
they don't think it's discriminatory to stop people from voting because of their racial identity. Well, they're saying that the that the Democrats, so like the Democrats are coming forth and saying that by you saying that um, well, you you can't vote, like your ballot will be like deleted, or I don't know the correct word, but it'll be canceled if you voted the wrong precinct, or like you oh. can't pass out food and water. The Democrats are saying that is pretty much against the Voting Rights Act because you're discriminating because all of that stuff is like majority like people of color, but the Republicans are saying we're not doing this because they're black. And the Supreme Court is pretty much saying that they are not violating these instances that are in these specific sections of the Voting Rights Act of 1965. It's really complicated because like, unless you are like, I guess like into like legalese, it's really very like dense. Uh, what I don't, what I don't get, is why are people not allowed to hand out resources in the voting lines? Like what? What? I, if I was the Supreme Court justice, I would be looking at that move and be like, why? Why? And then I would point out, like, if you do this, there are people who have needs, and if the and if those needs don't get met and their health gets deterred, then they can't vote. And then that is discriminating against people who are not able. Mm -hmm. And then I would be sitting here thinking, why, why does a vote in the wrong precinct somehow not valid? If they presented their ID and their ID proves where they're supposed to be and it proves that who they are, then we could just simply move that information, especially now with computers, to mm -hmm. that precinct. Like, I don't, there's nothing there but it, it, it having like a discriminative initiative. But there's no way around it. You can't sugarcoat around that. Mm -hmm. I think, <clears throat> so a lot of these laws have been made in terms of like, quote, they've been branded as like <laughs> election integrity laws to like, more safely secure our elections. I don't know if they're trying to like- God forbid a water bottle is gonna prevent the American democracy system from being able to succeed. They're probably saying that it's some form of like solicitation, like soliciting. And so they, like, if I give you food and water, like, is that gonna make you like vote for like my candidate? Or if I'm like, I'm not gonna give you food and water, then like, 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 like it's a, a bribe. I feel like they're trying to like maybe <clears throat> insinuate um, which yeah. then I would have wrote a law that says if like if explicitly uh, if if handing out resources with the explicit intention and the stated intention of black of blackmailing voters into voting for your candidate or like something like that it should be like you should be denied access to that area something like that I don't I don't, I don't, God, I don't know. To me, it really feels like these laws are getting more blatantly discriminative from the Republican side, like that it really does feel like they're just straight up like, we don't want you here because we know exactly that you will vote against us. Mm -hmm. But because of our current politics dealing with race and discrimination, we're not allowed to just 
outwardly acknowledge that there's discrimination happening because we supposedly don't have it exist. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't know. My brain's having a hard time processing this. Like, why, why are we allowed, why are we allowing a political party to go this far with their political moves that are blatantly nefarious? I feel like it's, I feel like it's very much like I'm having a hard time wrapping my brain around how this is possible too. Um, but it, I mean, I think it literally is just them trying to stop quote election fraud end quote. Like in Georgia, when they started passing these, like after the election, they started passing all of these new laws because so many black Georgians were able to uh, vote despite voter suppression. I think that is a thing. Cause like, if you look at someone like the statements from like some of the Supreme court justices about mm-hmm. these rulings, they say that like, this is unnecessary because like the country has changed. There are like no more of these instances of like this like extreme like voter suppression dependent like on your cut, like on your skin color. So they don't see me, they don't see a law saying you can't give food and water at this precinct or like you can't vote absentee. You can't go deliver the, you know, the vote of someone who is like disabled or old or whatever. They don't see this as disenfranchising people. They see it as, okay, this is the best way to stop people from like voting illegally or like illegitimately. And maybe they also see it as <clears throat> Democrats just pulling the race card. Not everything is racist, Democrats, is what probably is going on in their mind. See that? So this, this is the issue that I have with our, what I've witnessed as a person existing in this country. Um, and it kind of bleeds into academics as well. Um, this academic and legal approach where things have to be blatant. And I'm like, why are we not application focused? Like, why, why is there not review on what would this predictively appear in application? That should, be, that should be where the weight and the priority in making a bill looks like. Because it's like, oh, I mean, I could write something look real pretty on paper. And it like, if you just thought two steps ahead, you'd be like, wow, this could stop people from voting. You know, like, and that should have more weight than what is, exactly said in the paper if that makes sense like I, I think as a society we need to be more application focused and maybe then with that perspective maybe some of the people on the right will start seeing that things are discriminative because yeah. for some reason we have constructed this idea that discrimination is something that's blatant and that it's it, it's like a, a single circuit reaction where I say this and you feel or are done like this instead of I implement this two years down the road, you are no longer able to do this. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't know if it's like a perspective difference and that's why it confuses me. Cause like with, for example, with my degree path, with the things I research in, the things I'm invested in, everything's about application. How will this manifest and affect families? How will this manifest and affect children? And regardless of what my intentions are, is this going to actually help them or is it going to hurt them? And mm-hmm. I just really don't feel like that where, where our laws are made. I really don't feel like that's where the thinking goes. 
Because mm-hmm. any the hobo that lives down the street, if he heard what was happening right now and he just thought two steps ahead, he'd be like, "Yeah, this shit's bad." Like it, it doesn't take an educated person to realize this is a bad idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so here's a quote I want to read to you. Michael Carvin, he is a lawyer representing Arizona's Republican Party. Mm-hmm. He argues that the laws still provide voters with opportunities to cast ballots on a measure to safeguard against election fraud. He says, the question is not the outcome. The question is the opportunity. And if the state has provided everyone the same opportunity, everyone has a complete opportunity to vote. The state has not erected any barriers. I get it now. I get it. So think about this. They don't care if voters are personally capable of voting. That is not a priority. A priority for them is, is the state blatantly impeding, Mm -hmm. which is problematic because their focus is, are we saving our tail? Not, are we serving our constituents the best that we can. And that's a problem. It's rooted that the citizens are not the priority, but that the government remains looking like they're integral regardless of the outcome. Do you want to hear a quote from Brett Kavanaugh? I'm ready. Okay, so um, just for context, Chief Justice Roberts and then Justice Gorsuch and Kavanaugh noted the prevalence of the two policies nationwide, including in states, do not have a history, do not have a history of racial discrimination and voting. So the states in these court cases, they say do not have a history of racial discrimination and voting. That is what Excuse me? justices have noted. Kavanaugh says when a state rule is commonplace in other states, that would seem to be a circumstance that that, that puts a thumb on the scale in favor of the, legitim- the, the legitimacy of the state rule and it not being a reflection of discriminatory intent. Later, he said that in examining the totality of circumstances, there must be, quote, good justification for the rules at issue. So, wait a minute. To make sure I'm understanding what you're saying. Is he saying that if a raw law or rule appears discriminative, as long as it's well justified, it can pass? No, I think he is saying that for for them to there needs to be good justification as for why they for them to like rule against the uh, the laws that are that people are saying are restricting voting rights. I mean, I would say when a majority, when a large portion of your population for the past 20 to 30 years hasn't had access to voting, and you can clearly see our voting levels have dropped because these certain policies have been enacted for this long, and then suddenly they, there's a spike up because these people have overcame that obstacle in some way or pa- fashion, I would say that is a justifiable cause to be like, hmm, Maybe we should modify things. I think, um, see what you're, so that's not what you're mentioning. When you say, when we see our voting has dropped, 
I think this is getting to a larger issue of the fact of that we don't have, we're not using the same facts for a lot of things that we're talking about in politics. We mm-hmm. have, we have like, I would say we have the actual facts and we have Republican facts, but I feel like that might be too, too biased. So we have the facts and then we have like the left facts, we have the right facts. So you may say, Josh, that we we have had a drop in voting and that you can clearly see it, but maybe Justice Kavanaugh argues otherwise. And maybe he says, okay, you're right. We may have a drop in voting, but that has nothing to do with discrimination. There are no laws that are, there is, I, there, I feel like unless there is a law written that says black people cannot vote without X, Y, Z, or black people can't do this, or uh, Latino people can't do this, or immigrants can't do this, or, or women can't do this. I feel like unless the laws explicitly say something like that, then it's not for them discriminatory intent. Because when you look at laws, and I'm not a lawyer, but when you look at laws and you have to look at intent of like what do you, I think I saw a lawyer on TV say, you have to look at intent, not what, not what was um, written or something. I, 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 for them, they don't feel like the intent is to discriminate. So it doesn't, it's not necessary to rule in these instances that are like, I feel like maybe violations of the, the Voting Rights Act. I may be wrong, I don't know. But you know what is something interesting is that a critical race theorist would mm-hmm. be the one to analyze this, to, 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 to get mm-hmm. the answers. I find it interesting because now it's clicking like it's their values are in a different place than I guess you and I, where their value isn't placed on the byproduct, but placed on, like you said, intent and what is written. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I made a Facebook post the other day about regardless of what your intentions are, if you hurt someone, you hurt someone and you're still accountable. In this case, they don't care about that. And so this is an issue of they care more about mal-law than malpractice. Mm-hmm. And that kind of bothers me because I'm like, then who in our government is held accountable to uphold standards to malpractice and malexecution? Mm-hmm. And if we don't have that, we need to have that. Yeah. We need someone who is focused on the end product not just the process and what is being said and and what is believed to be done. Mm -hmm. That's just straight up frustrating. Yeah. So (laughs) because it's kind of like, fuck you citizens. Y'all are going to have to figure out a way around how this manifests. (laughs) So to wrap up this segment, I I have a question for you. So, and this Mm -hmm. this should be fairly easy to answer because it's not so fucking constitutional law shit um so we we know politically that we are a divided country right now because of the 2016 election and the 2020 election um and we know we, we just for context just think of everything that's ha- happened in the last uh four years so as an american we know that one of the most important things as an American and for our democracy that we literally highlight all the time is having your right to vote. 
like having your right to vote is like up there with like freedom of speech. Like having the right to vote as an American is like one of the most important things I feel like in American democracy. So taking into, into account that having the right to vote is very important to us as Americans in our democracy. And also taking into account that we have a politically divided country and we seem to be politically divided on this very issue of voting rights right now. And Joe Biden is supposed to be trying to reach across the aisle and unify us. What do you think Democrats should do to combat this issue of voting rights being attacked? So an idea that has just came to my mind is we have well established the, the right to vote, but do we have a law established the right to have access to vote? And I think that is a crux. I think, I think it is a dead horse to follow on the right to vote train because in all legality, we have it written down in paper that citizens are insured the right to vote. But we do not, as far as I know, have anything that blatantly says we should have, we deserve the right to have access to voting, which is different. Well, we do. Do we? Well, that, so this is, yes, we, 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 we do slash did. Um, not to cut you off, but we, so the Voting Rights Act's listed pretty much all of what you're saying but when they get taken to the supreme court with these different sections in the bill like i told you section two section five and they rule against those uh rule those sections it puts a precedent for like it's kind of like with the um with the like the the, the baker cake to some ex- to some extent where it's like if the supreme court rules that like so let's say, let's just say, for example, someone brings forth saying like, okay, here's a bill, we're the Democratic Party, we're suing the state of uh, Georgia because they are not allowing certain people to give out food and water. And we say that it's discriminatory against section whatever, section five of the Voting Rights Act. They take it to the mm-hmm. Supreme Court. The Supreme Court reviews it. They say, this is not a violation of section five of the Voting Rights Act. So in that instance, when they rule that way, what it does is set a precedent. So that now, to my understanding, is that any other time that that happens in the country, where uh, that means a, a, a state can write a law that pre- that pretty much prevents, that's pretty much similar to what the, the <laughs> law that was brought to the Supreme Court, they can write a law just like that, and it will not be a violation of section five because the Supreme Court says that it is not. So we, the thing is that we we have all of the right and the access, but then when people begin to write stuff and Supreme Court rules against the very things that protect us, they set up precedents that begin to like take away bits and pieces of our access to voting. So like we had it initially, but when they rule a certain way, it's like, okay, well, you just took a piece out of it. You just took another piece out. And now we're getting, you're limiting and limiting and limiting and limiting our access to voting because of the Supreme Court ruling. So that makes sense? Yes. Okay, now you can finish. So, yeah. So in other words, because of past um, Supreme Court decisions, we can't actually tackle these issues anymore they've crippled us 
No, well, so what I'm asking you is like, because right now the only way that really can really truly to some extent fix this is Congress writing legislation is what mm -hmm. people are saying. So like, but like at the same time, I they didn't get a chance to pass the last bill because Republicans, they did, they rejected it. So what do we do? I really don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm like, I don't know. It feels like a stalemate. The Supreme Court's not in our favor. Mm -hmm. Congress is not in our favor. That's because we got fucking Amy Coney fucking Barrett on the fucking Supreme Court. I don't know. I, well, I, if I was a, a lawmaker, and this is how I would go about it. Okay, I'm like, let's reword this pony. And let's, let's go back to that whole access to voting. I've pressed the issue, all citizens deserve to have access to voting, insured access to voting. And then it would be like this, I guess, omnibus of like, I don't know if that's the right word, of like ensuring that let's make voting, let's make the voting days, federal holidays, all businesses must stop at least for two to three hours. And then not only that, begin construct systems of busing, transportation and increase uh, voting locations pressing that all the citizens deserve to vote and deserve the ability to access voting in a reasonable and convenient way mm -hmm. and I feel like if if we because if you word it just right enough it'd be right up the Republicans alley it'd be all that compatriot kind of bullshit that they snort down as crack every day and what it would allow is that they would all get aboard of this, hopefully, theoretically. And what it would ensure is like, regardless of what these laws are set, if all citizens have like, if we had like bus systems specifically designed by federal workers during voting days where um, voters can call in, plan ahead, at least a week ahead to get their spot on the bus if they have transportation issues or if their location is the issue. And then they, they get picked up at this certain time. They go vote at this certain time. If businesses were closed for at least two to three hours, because I know if we say all day, America will have a shitstorm because it prioritizes profit over our rights. But if we're like, sacrifice a little and you can get back to business, they might be more willing. And then people at these businesses will be able to leave for two to three hours to go vote and have access to that voting. And then you'll see people who are elderly, who are poor, have... Uh, insured means of transportation insured locations to go to um it may kind of like cover the issues that are occurring and i guess the only way to make sure it happens is that we can't mention race we can't mention any other factors that could cause discrimination we can't point out where things are systemically being discriminated because the moment they hit I hear that they shut down because they don't give a fuck they want to believe in this world of theirs that everything's fine. And so we're going to construct, construct our laws that everything is fine and that people are just haphazardly, randomly, no reason for no real understanding at all are being impeded. But in reality, like our laws would be gold towards helping those very specific communities, communities to overcome the obstacles that are set in their way by other established uh, forces of our institutions. Like, does that make sense? It makes sense. I don't think any of that will work out because I feel like 
even if you presented all of that, the same that what you're presenting, what would happen is what would happen with the For the People Act, which was literally going to get rid of like gerrymandering, which is they would filibuster. <laughs> I don't understand why. I don't understand why. Why? And because they don't want it to be passed. Because I would straight up be in that Congress floor, be like, oh, wh- why do you not want this passed? It's like, are you not American? Do you not want American people to be able to vote? Oh, I mean, I'd be like, oh, the, look, I'm triggering you, Republican. Think well, about it. Well, they would be like, <laughs> well, they would be like, filibuster doesn't equal I don't want to pass. It just means I want to debate the bill. So, like, more and then I'd be calling them out. It's like, what, what is there to debate? They, I don't know, Josh. I, I don't know. Listen, this is why I can't be in Congress because if I were in Congress, I would act a fool on that floor. They'd be like, order, order, order in the Congress chamber. And I'd be like, no, because I'm, like, I'm about to read every fucking Republican man for filled. I'd be like, no, listen here. No, 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 no. Y'all sitting over here saying, being patriots, we should all do our American duty. You're over here trying to argue against this to ensure that all citizens will have the ability to. They won't have an excuse. What, 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 what was that, George? Shut the fuck up. (laughs) I used to be be excited about us having control of the House, control of the Senate, pretty much, because it's like a 50-50 split, obviously. But then we had Kamala to be the tiebreaker. But the thing is, is that she broke the tie and the Senate Republicans said, nope, filibuster. So it's like, it doesn't even fucking matter that she's a tiebreaker because if the Republicans don't want the bill to go forward, then they could just fucking filibuster. <sighs> okay, we have talked about voting <laughs> rights for way longer than what we were supposed to talk about. So I'm angry. I am too, um, but you're probably about to be angry about this next topic. So, yes, I am. Uh, <laughs> we're going to move into our next, look, y'all just, have to, y'all just have to deal with the fact that this might be an hour long episode. Just deal with it. So- but this should be good because you haven't heard from just the two of us in a very long time. So, um, I, I'm going to let you introduce the topic since, yeah, since I've introduced the last topic, you can introduce this topic. So as we all know, um, in our modern day, specifically here in the 21st century, the development of hookup culture has been a president piece of what I would consider millennial and Gen X culture and practice. Now, not everyone participates in hookup culture, and that is fine, but it has become a normalized experience for a lot of us. It is not abnormal for us millennials and adult Gen Xers to have a hookup, to, uh, to have relationships built primarily around sex and pleasure, because I believe, like with our culture, we've started developing an understanding that sex is separate from love, sex shouldn't be used as a tool to get love, and that sex shouldn't be something that... Sh- should be put have value or morality placed on it unless it's on an individual basis but this past week i was having a conversation with my gen gen x did i say gen x or did i say gen z uh i think you said gen z i meant gen z if i didn't but i was talking to my gen x friend um she she was born right on the brink between millennials and gen x but she's still a gen x nonetheless and she was astounded by the fact that I had casual hookups. And I have a lot of my coworkers who are Gen Xers um, who don't quite understand it. And they're like, that's dangerous. Why would you do that? Blah, 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 blah. And she was sitting there and I mean, she was kind of like demeaning me for it saying, Josh, it's not safe. She was like, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, you're like, oh yeah, I know it's not safe, but it's just what we do. 
And she was outstanding by the thought, and this also happened with another coworker, but she also, she didn't realize that for millennials and Gen Zers, we see sex very differently than they do. Um, older generations still see sex conflated with marriage, conflated with romantic love. And when I told her I had sex on the first time hanging out with a guy that I'm ro- kind of romantically interested in, she thought I had done the greatest sin in the world. And she may have low-key called, was like hinting that I was a whore, but I don't think she meant it in a bad way. She meant it in like a concerned friend way. And I had to explain to her, like, sex is just different for us. And I feel like it's a lot healthier. There are some risks with hookup culture. But in a lot of realities, I think hookup culture has revealed for our society a lot healthier approach towards sex. It has made our generations a lot more sex positive. Mm-hmm. And we don't approach sex and someone's frequency of enjoying pleasure as a means to demean themselves or to demean others. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of like where this all kind of came about is having a discussion about what is hookup culture for us? Um, how do we perceive it? And how has it impacted us? And how that might be different for people who are older than us. Mm-hmm. So Aaron, what is your take with hookup culture? Um, so, okay, so I have a very personal take and I have a very academic take because I have, I have to some extent done research on hookup culture. I read Dr. Lisa Wade's book that's called American Hookup, the New Culture of Sex on Campus, which talks about college uh, age students uh, being in hookup culture and her discussing the very nuances of hookup culture, including uh, gender, sexuality, drugs, alcohol, peer pressure, rape culture, all of that entire stuff. Um, I, I, I think I, I very much exist inside of hookup culture because I would like to say I pretty much have only had like maybe like two and a half like actual like uh, LTRs and, or long-term committed relationships and everything, everybody else who I've been with has been uh, pretty much sexual and like non-romantic. So if I were to list like all of the people who I've been with, they have more than not all been just like solely sexual in some kind of capacity. So, and, and that's still how I pretty much operate today in terms of like relationships is that they're mostly sexual in nature. So, I mean, I feel like when people hear hookup culture, they think of like, I feel like they don't think of very like different kinds of hookups because there are different kinds. There's like a one night stand, which is, you know, you hook up with someone like one time and then you're done. There's friends with benefits. Someone that you're friends with that you fuck. There's like a fuck buddy, which is I guess less than a friend, but someone you still fuck with on the regular. Um, And then there are risks of hookup culture as there are risks with, you know, other subcultures. Like, I mean, I feel like hookup culture gets a bad rap a lot of the times for it being very um, high risk. But um, I mean, I feel like any other kind of like relationship also has risk. I mean, if we were to look at the statistics of domestic violence in married couples, I'm sure it'd be very fucking high. If we were to look Mm -hmm. at, you know, uh 
like uh, um, spousal abuse, that's very high. If we look at the fact that um, most of the time people who who rape people are the, let me phrase this correctly so it's not in passive voice. Um, if you look at the statistics, rapists who rape their victims, they usually know the person that they're raping. And mm -hmm. people don't like Interpersonal to talk about connections. Yes, and people don't like to talk about that, but that's like a very real thing. And it does not just happen. Rape does not just happen inside of hookup culture. It does, but like, it's hookup culture is not the only place where rape exists. So I feel like I'm always having to like defend hookup culture to people because everyone is, I feel like it's always uh, dogging hookup culture. Um, I feel like maybe it was very much, I feel like it doesn't happen that much with like maybe Gen Z who likes to dog it. I feel like I was much defending it for like people who are like late millennials where I would have to be like, okay, your, your experiences within hookup culture is, is valid. But like hookup culture is not inherently bad and it does not inherently destroy society. They're just people inside of hookup culture who, who, who use it to destroy people's lives in, uh, in society, just as people do in long-term committed relationships and marriages. So that, that, that I'll stop right there and then I'll say some more after you say some more. <laughs> so I'd like to make the argument that hookup culture has always been a part of the human experience. The difference is in that in different cultures, historically, we've created a precedent where that culture had to occur underground or unspoken. And I believe that in the liberation of our culture, our sexual revolutions that we've had, allowing hookup culture to be blatant is actually a lot safer and has, even though issues still are caused, it, it has less of serious impact as it did in the past. For example, in Victorian era, how many men were cheating on their wives having sex with, um, with sex work, with other men's wives, wives having sex with other people well, and not informing their partners of it? Because at that point in time, people were kind of like forced to get married early. So hookup culture was intrinsically connected to like marriage and infidelity. And when a um, um, man specifically, more likely, because men had more access and allowance to do this, young men were having sex with random people frequently in the past, but it was something that had to go unspoken. Um, in our new generation, we believe that keeping things like that in secret, not embracing it, is the root to a lot of the issues and a lot of issues to our personal selves. And it, those past experiences had made sex become something so complicated when it shouldn't have been. And it made things so tied to love, romance, marriage, that it gained its negative connotation. But us, when we took a step back and said sex is a separate aspect of life, it is its own institution of life, and that it can be incorporated with other institutions, but it will always exist on its own, regardless of the others existing or not. And with that, I think for our generation, we have found a sense of empowerment. I can have sex with whoever I want, and that should not have any bearing on who I am or what kind of person I am, because who am I hurting? I'm not hurting anyone. I'm not cheating on anyone, though in hookup culture, some people are cheating, but it's not the majority. And it's not the majority, it's not the face of the experience of the culture. 
And with hookup culture, I would argue that sex education has gotten more effective and can be more healthier for us. Because if we're upfront and we create a culture that's upfront about sex and what sex is and how it's experienced and that it's something to be enjoyed, it allows us to have that open space to also discuss on how to do it safely. And when we treat sex, that has to be this complicated thing tethered to marriage, tethered to these values. It makes people afraid to learn those inf- that information, to prepare themselves, to protect themselves, because everything has to be believed or disguised to be innocent and unknown. And for me, like having a hookup culture, like I, I get my needs met. Like we are sexual humans and in the in innateness of humans before civilization formed, we would just fuck. And not only would we just fuck, we would fuck in front of each other. Not that I promote that, unless that's something you want to do. But well, like in front of you. We'd have to discuss it first. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But like, you know, it's human nature to do it. And it's like human nature to do it with multiple people. We just can be, we can do that and be aware of how to keep ourselves safe. Now the dangers of hookup culture, that does exist. Like you do have a, a chance of a random stranger robbing you, taking advantage of you, hurting you. But in all honesty, you have that same statistical chance with someone you know. And there is more statistics stating, like you said, with like rape and assault, you are more likely to be robbed, to be harmed, and to be misused by someone that at least somewhat knows you, is acquainted with you, or personally knows you than you are with a stranger. So really, we're taking this gambit or this gamble with everything in our lives. We have just created a false sense of security in these other aspects of our lives. And I think because, huh? Oh, so, no, sorry to interrupt. Go ahead and finish. I was just going to essentially end it. But because sex culture has been something that has not been allowed to be spoken about, engaged with, explored, or understood, it seems scarier because it's unknown. Mm -hmm. But in reality, it's about as unknown as every other aspect of our lives. Mm -hmm. I was going to say that... um, I feel like um, a lot of, I, I feel like besides the like risk and dangers of hookup culture, another thing that I hear actually comes from people who are like romantics and who are not into just casual sex, um, which is that, well, because of hookup culture, I can't find a relationship. I can't find, oh, sorry, a long-term committed partner. Uh, because every all everyone wants to do is fuck each other and like that's it and I feel like like I know like as someone who 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 likes casual sex um I I have experienced a lot of slut shaming um and I feel like people who enjoy hookup culture also experience a lot of shut shaming and like I get it like it probably is like very depressing if you are someone who like doesn't like casual sex and you just want like you know like this romantic relationship with someone to like last forever and to be in love and to follow the traditional routes of like romance and shit like that but how do you feel about people blaming an entire culture because the thing is like we have noticed that like hookup culture has to some extent become more acceptable it's increased a lot of people are doing it 
people have discovered new dynamics of relationships that fit very well into hookup culture. So like it has grown, hookup culture has definitely grown in these last few years. So to some extent, one could argue that our like whole like relationship dating world, hookup culture has taken a very big place in it. So there are concerns about not being able to find someone who is interested in being a long-term partner is valid and probably very true. It's hard for them to find someone because everyone wants to have sex because that's just like what people are enjoying. Mm-hmm. So like, but at the same time, it's like, you're blaming this culture. It low-key sounds like you're slut-shaming. Like you're blaming this for, like, what do you say to people who say that? So this is how I view it. <clears throat> Humans are archaic. We have not changed since our advent, really, at all. Our feelings haven't changed. Our desires haven't changed. Our intentions haven't changed. But what has changed is our ability to navigate those feelings and whether we are allowed to acknowledge them or not. I would argue that if this many people are this invested in having casual sex and sex frequently, it is because humans have always had this desire. And what, because uh, their whole misunderstanding comes from the conflation of romance with sex. There are two different spheres and there are two different intentions being sought. And we have to separate those. Back in the day, quite literally, men, specifically men, would marry a woman because he wanted sex with her. And I know from older generations that have talked about it, this happened. And this is why a lot of relationships really weren't that healthy back in the day. Because for a a man or woman to get that need and pleasure, they have to be married. Their relationship wasn't built on love or that person actually being interested in them. In a lot of ways, hookup culture is relieving us from getting into those traps because we now have better understanding of what we want, how we can get it, and what our intentions are. Of course, you are not going to find someone to date you in a high chance on a hookup app. And I think that's where we need to really be invested in understanding what is a hookup space and what is a romantic relationship space. And sometimes those can converge, but we got to understand the intentions of our partners. And if it's this hard for them to find that romantic relationship, it would have been that hard back in the day. But the issue is you'd have been trapped in a relationship for nearly your whole life without you being shunned for having a divorce and you would have never had access to actually find someone with those intentions that are the same as yours. Like, do I get depressed that there aren't a lot of men chasing after me romantically? Yes. But I would rather a man be upfront with me that he is only pursuing sexual endeavors with me than them trying to conflate it or use romance and my emotions as a mask to get their physical desires. That is not being, that is being dishonest. And so with hookup culture, it allows us to be honest with ourselves and what we want. My sexual desire is not the same as my romantic desire. Now, do I like them to, to converge when it happens? Yes. But my sexual desire is different than me wanting to marry someone. It's like the desire for hunger. Like, why would we ever intrinsically involve hunger with romance? But in the past, they did. Uh, Relationships were built to secure finances, to secure food, to to, um, secure, secure, like, resources. And over time, we have unwind those things away from romance and relationships 
because it's not healthy. It shouldn't be the, that should, those forces shouldn't be what we consider when we consider putting ourselves with someone for a long period of time, because that creates unhealthy relationships that are built on unhealthy foundations. Like if that makes sense. Yeah. So, so these people, this issue has always existed and it will mm-hmm. always exist because human nature will not change. And they just have to come to accept that in frequency, people will be pursuing sex more frequently because it's a desire. Whereas a little less frequently, people are going to be looking for long-term relationships because that urge is more of a slow burning, sustaining desire than sex is. So to me, I feel like when people say that, it feels like they think that hookup culture created the people who are interested in hookups and not instead it's actually there are people who just like hookups and that is just something that you just can't force someone to not want or change that Mm -hmm. created a culture like the people came before the culture not the culture came before the people like people weren't brainwashed into being like oh i don't want to i don't want to marry you um so actually okay so i want to get your advice since you know you family studies human development Mm -hmm. Um, so what you kind of already explained this but like so like if i am someone who wants a traditional relationship i don't want to hook up with people but like all i can find are men who are like i just want to hit it and quit it like what do i do because i don't want to be lonely I don't, I want to still get married, but like everywhere I look, all these men are just saying, I want to eat your ass. I mean, like, for example, I think a lot of it has to do with, we don't, our devices and tools and technology hasn't caught up to fully all the needs that we need as people. And I think as we go further, we'll start seeing apps like Grindr become less like, um, what's the word? Not propaganda, but, um, advertised less advertised as a dating site but more advertised as a hookup site or a hookup app and i think that's what we need we need specified clear boundary spaces where certain spaces are meant and intended for specific things and i think that would clear things up if we had an app that was heavily focused like this is for relationships this is the romantic side to grinder i don't know something like that we do that would allow more appropriate spaces Huh? I said we do just have to pay for them, which is the reason. Part of the I'm, issue. But okay, so it's an issue because it's classes, but at the same time, you know that you're going to find somebody who isn't trying to just fuck you because people are not going to pay just to fuck somebody. Like these mm-hmm. people who are invested in finding their like soulmate because they're paying $14.99 a month. Valid. And I just, I think, you know, just like with people, our technology and spaces need to always speak clear boundaries and clear intentions. And that's like the basis of relationships. And I feel like that should be the basis of the technology we use to help formulate relationships is that it's a space that can set down clear boundaries. Like there are spaces and apps and websites specifically for fetish and kink. Will you find fetish and kink people on Grindr? Yes. But if you want to pursue that specifically, you will go to this space. In a lot of ways, 
we, we can develop romantic relationships through people on Grindr. It's possible. But let's be honest, at least in our area, Grindr is a hookup app. So I do not get on Grindr with the expectation of meeting someone romantically. If it happens, that's great. But that, I'm not going to fool myself and think that's, that's what I'm going to get from it because that's not what people get on it for. I can't go to the fire station and expect to find a police officer. I can't go to a kitchen and expect to find a doctor. If you do, that's great. But likelihood chance, no. We, we've created spaces for very specific things. And I think we need to become more aware of those specified spaces. And if we don't have that specified, specified space, then we all need to invest in creating that space. I'm stuck on the fact that people pay that much money for it. And now in my mind, all I can think about is like, wow, this really does speak to the fact that poor people can't have nice things and poor people don't deserve happiness. Uh Well, we don't. (laughs) That's how society structures it. We really don't. (sighs) And I mean, if you really want to look down into it with a critical view, um, the working class is only meant to reproduce to make more workers. Mm -hmm. We're not here to have these well-established lifelong relationships and fulfilling life we're here to serve a purpose and that is reserved for people who are upper middle class and above yes and i think that's how it's always been because Mm -hmm. like even when you look in the past people who were really allowed to like marry for love could afford it but at the same time, they were falling in love with people within their own economic spaces. Mm-hmm. So it was never a risk. Yeah. There would always be somewhat of an advantage. There were, you know, pre-planned marriages and things like that for economic sense and blah, 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 blah. But like there was leeway. But for poor people, it is like, we really need to marry this specific person to ensure that I have a house, a home and a place to live and a place to sleep and this and this is that so I can continue working and pay my taxes. Mm-hmm. So in the nature of hookup culture, um, Josh, do you have do you have a worst hookup story? A worst hookup story? Like the worst hookup you've ever had. Oh God. Okay, so <laughs> um this does come with a low-key trigger warning. So from this point oh, on, God. if you want to skip over to Aaron's voice, do that. Um, it does include one could argue sexual assault. Um but oh god that's supposed to be a funny segment <laughs> <laughs> it's i personally don't take it as serious as the uh, as i probably should have so i'm not going to present it as super serious but for some people just hearing it can bother them so okay. this is your moment to skip ahead um we'll let so you know begin. when it's okay to to continue listening yes i will begin now so there's this hookup and it, it was a guy that was he looked a little bit older like he looked like he could have been in his forties in his picture. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm down. I'm down with some daddy energy. Oh, yes. um, he wasn't the hottest thing, but I was like, it was Clanton and it's all I had. Oh, and so I had planned to have a hookup with him and he said he wanted to bring his sex toys. And I was like, go for it. Let's have a spicy night. And he gets to my place and he definitely appears much older than 40 and he had this weird staff thing with him which i was really confused i was like does he need that to walk with okay oh my whatever. god and i was like 
I, I hadn't had sex in months. I was like, you know what? This could surprise me. This could be a great time. I was wrong. Um, from the get-go, the man did not make me feel comfortable. He started trying to kiss me. It was not good. It's not good at all. And he was really hell-bent on me fucking him. And I'm over here like, I am a bottom. I do not do that. I'm not good at that. And I very specifically stated, I need, uh, there has to be a condom. Um, at this time, like I was undetectable, but I didn't fully understand how it all worked. And I did not like taking risk. And I also didn't want to take a risk and get an STD. And so this man's really trying to, I guess, get me turned on. It was not working very well. And I specified to him, it's like, there has to be a condom. And, but what he ended up doing was crawling on top of me. He grabbed my penis without my permission and shoved it into him. <gasps> and I did not know how to react to it. Oh, I got so worried. I, I was really trying to like deescalate the situation and get him out of the house at that point. That's definitely rapey. And <sighs> he's like, I can use my toy on me. And I was like, your toy, where's your toy? And it's the fucking staff. Oh my God. And I noticed the staff had like electrical tape and styrofoam like wrapped around it. I was like, no. What? No. Yes, what? this man was going to have me shove that up his ass. And when he put my penis in his ass, something felt weird in there, weird in there anyways. And I was like, did this man clean out? I was like, oh, hell no. And so there was divine timing, Aaron. Divine timing. I went to grab my phone to act like Taylor was about to call me. And I was like, oh, wait, my roommate's calling me. I think, I think he's, I was like, I got to make sure he's not on his way. And I was going to lie to him and say my roommate's on his way that he was going to have to leave. Well, Taylor actually calls me at the moment I picked up the phone. And Taylor's like, I felt like I needed to call you for some reason. He's like, I'm on my way. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, you're almost here. Less than five minutes. Oh, shit. Okay. Well, thanks for telling me. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. You got to go. And he left. And oh, I, I nearly oh. needed to cry. Oh and God. I blocked him very quickly on Grinder, And I, I whole ass lied to this man. He was like, maybe we could get back together again. I was like, yeah, maybe. And then I blocked him as soon as he left my house. Um, Josh, I can't even laugh. And I was under story. so much distress. Because oh. I was like, Taylor, what happens if he had an STD? Like this man, because th I, I don't trust older gay men. Like they don't know what the fuck they're doing. This man, he's sitting here talking about, I've always enjoyed the embrace of a man. And I'm like, this sounds so stupid. And I'm over here like, you're a closeted older man. I was like, what the fuck have you been doing? I mean, if you're unsafe enough to shove a pipe up your ass, with electrical tape at the end, like what the hell are you doing with these other sketchy ass men? And um, I was like, I have to go get STD tested. And a couple of days later, I, my urinary tract started feeling funny and my penis started feeling funny. And I was so worried I got an STD from this man. And well, he ended up giving me prostatitis. What? Yes. So what happens is sometimes you can get foreign material into your urethra and it can travel down and cause an infection that will inflame your prostate. Because I was trying to explain it to the doctor and she's like, listen, I have gay friends. She's like, I have friends with, uh, with 
HIV. She's like, you have no judgment from me. She's like, we'll get this panel done. We'll try to see what we can do. And she's like, it appears to be prostateitis, but she's like, luckily it's the same medicine that you used to treat gonorrhea, gonorrhea and chlamydia. She's like, even if it was there and we missed it, this medicine should cover it. And I was like, this man gave me a urinary tract infection. <laughs> I, it was, it was horrible. It was a horrible experience. Like it, it had to be the worst experience I've had. Uh, the only other worst experience I had was this guy with a really big dick who I still see around in town. But he tries like, like he don't know me because this man was clearly down low. He had a whole like teardrop tattoo near his eye. So I knew he killed somebody too. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this dick was big. This is the biggest dick I've seen up to date. How big was it, Josh? Like it was bigger than 12 inches, Aaron. Oh my God, Josh. That's not even humanly that dick was about the length of my arm. Like, no, the, the, <laughs> no it was, was it came up to the Gosh, crease. You lie. It, I'm not you lying. Lie. It went past the crease of my arm. And I guess my head game was so good that by the no. time he got ready to put it in, which I was a little nervous of because we didn't have lube, and I was like, he's going to destroy me. Josh. Um, his dick touched the hole in my ass, and he came. Josh. I was so disappointed. Josh, wait a minute. It could have been the wildest time of my life. Josh, wait a minute. And it was in the Napier bathroom stall, in the shower stall. Josh, what? I need to process all of this. I see this man in Dollar General all the fucking time. All the fucking time. And I still think about how big that dick was and how it was a shame that I at least didn't get to experience it. I was like, you, I was like, I don't mean to judge people for early coming, but I was like, really? You could at least got it in. I, I, I don't. What's yours, Aaron? I don't <laughs> know if I can talk. Okay, just so everyone knows. Okay, this is where you can come back because the, the that story about Josh is over. Um, I I don't know if I can top your stories. Um, oh gosh, I I don't know. I was not expecting your stories to be so bad. Um. <laughs> and that's me not mentioning that one of the hookups that I regularly had gave me HIV, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> oh, Josh, you. Whew, um, my worst hookup experience. Um, let's see. Um. I don't, I don't really have any bad hookup experiences in high school. So I guess college might be where I had some bad hookups. Um, it's not bad, but there is this one hookup that I had literally before I left the state of Alabama. Um, this guy um, was, I met him on Grinder, and he was like... I don't suck dick, but I eat ass, which I thought was very odd because how are you a gay man who doesn't suck dick, but you eat ass? But I digress. Oh, this and is a guy we've had a hookup. I've had a hookup with too. We're Eskimo brothers. Wait, that is that racist? I don't know. Yeah, a little bit. Eskimo's, yeah. a, okay. I, Eskimo's okay. a slur. Okay. Oh, Inuit. oh, are you for real? Yeah. Eskimo, Eskimo means like raw meat eater. Or something like that. And that's how white people were referring to the Inuit people as if they were primitive and savage. Okay, well, I apologize for my racist statement. Um, I did not know that. Um, 
I'll just say that Josh has shared a hookup partner, which is weird. Um, <laughs> we would have shared too, but you know, somebody never actually fell through with her words, but whatever. Anyway, anyway, um, I think you know who I'm talking about. Um, we tried though. Did you really try? Because it almost feels like you ruined it. I don't know. I broke your bed in the attempt to try to get y'all to do it. <laughs> this was also the same night that y'all were both very close to eating my ass, but. <laughs> okay. So this guy come, he, I'm like, okay, sure. I guess, I guess like I will allow this guy to eat my ass. That's fine. So, and I was like, I like to eat ass too. And I like to suck dick. So I'll suck his dick too. So he comes over um, and I eat his ass and I suck his dick. And then he decides to eat my ass. And it was probably the worst like oral sex I have ever had in my entire life. And I was just so frustrated because I had given my 110% of like my oral sex, like I always do, like I always fucking do. And it was just like very disappointing where I literally had to stop in the middle of it and be like, I can't do this anymore, I'm, I'm done. And he was like, do you want to meet up again? And I was like, no, I'm leaving the state and you will never see me again, goodbye. And then I blocked him. Um, <clears throat> I feel like I don't have bad hookup stories. I have funny hookup stories. My very, I like to tell people that my very first kiss with a guy was in a bathroom stall in high school. And it transitioned into my very first blowjob in, in a bathroom stall. And the dean of students walked into the bathroom and he saw a guy in a bathroom stall standing and he saw a pair of knees on the ground and he probably put two and two together and he was like, what is going on in this bathroom? And my dumbass in high school, a sophomore, never even kissed a guy before, tried to crawl under the bathroom stall to like the next stall to pretend as if like I was in a different stall and I wasn't sucking dick, but I guess I didn't realize that like you could see under the bathroom stalls. So he saw me crawling and he was like, get off the floor. And then he made us come out the bathroom and took us to the office. And I got in trouble for skipping homeroom. Uh, he did not tell my parents, which is good. Um, that is my very first ever <laughs> experience. Um, I've also almost gotten caught sucking a guy's dick in my best friend's front lawn. Uh, <laughs> oh no. Sucking dick in their front. Cause I don't want to do it in my, my front lawn. Cause my fucking dad was home and he might see it. So I did it in a friend's and I had no idea that they had family coming over. And as I was literally mid suck, a car pulled up and... I ran. Um, so there is that. Um, I think that's all <laughs> my funny hookup stories. I feel like there's more, but I can't think of any other funny ones that happen. Ooh. Do we have time for me to give one more story? Sure. So this isn't about my hookup. No, this is about being the ride and die for a friend who was having a hookup. And I regretted the choice completely. Pit trip. About two, three years ago, I was in Coleman County spending it out with my friend. And he had an inkling to go have a hookup. And well, this might have been more than two, three years ago. It was a while back. Because um, at the time he was single. So wherever time that was. Um, and 
he's like, Josh, can you come with me? I'm kind of scared. I don't want to go by myself. And I'm like, okay, whatever. So we get in his truck and we drive all the way there. And I'm sitting there thinking, hmm, where could this hookup be? And I started noticing that we were getting further away from civilization, way out into the boons. We ended up in fucking Blunt County in Bluntsville. Ain't shit out there. Ain't no good signal, nothing. And I'm like, okay, this is a little sketchy spot. We pull up into this person's driveway, but my friend had to turn off the car lights. And I was like, why? And he was like, the guy's not out to his family and he can't get caught. And I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. And I, I crawl into the guy's car and they start getting it on. Like the windows are fogging, the car's moving. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm, like, I'm tired. I'm sitting over there, just mind my business, listen to Beyonce. And suddenly I see a light on get turned on in the house and I start freaking out. And I start messaging, like, there's a light on, there's a light on, there's a light on. You just said his name, Josh. Oh, (laughs) I didn't know. I didn't get his name. I'll edit it out. I'll edit it out. (laughs) Bleep. But um, then I'm like, listen, I was like, oh my gosh, please answer your phone. Please answer your phone. And then I see the porch light turn on. (gasps) And there's this man that walks out. Oh, no. And is looking around. And the truck is not hidden that well. Like, it's just barely in the dark shadows of the parking lot. And I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. I'm sitting having the plan. I was like, I'm about to ditch. I'm about to not be a ride and die. I'm about to ditch and get the fuck out, friend. And I was like, I know how to navigate the woods around here. I know how to walk my ass. I know your ass. Get out that damn car and go into the woods. I would have to fight a bobcat, but God damn it, I'm not going to get shot. And I'm not going to go to jail because I'm, I work. I work with kids and they're still getting it on to find out they had a couple rounds in that damn car. And I see that man walk back into his house. And then I really see him come back out and there was something in his hands. I was afraid it was a gun. And I called, I mean, I called uh, la 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 la. And I was like, listen, (laughs) get the fuck out of that car, sneak into the truck or I'm leaving you. So they stop what they're doing. Because they had to open the door, the light on the car turned on, oh, and he scurried to the c- truck, turns on the truck, and we get the fuck out of there. And we didn't look back. We didn't ask what happened to that kid. Um, <laughs> Josh, what if y'all got that kid killed? I don't know. I mean, like, and this is someone that was like, I mean, they really weren't a kid. They were like 19, but they were still living with their parents what have you got them picked out their house uh, you know i i told that about you know what screw it, it Josh. <laughs> i told him that myself and i was like you know what this is fucked up <laughs> I was like, i'm not ever doing this again <laughs> and we drive back home in silence and i'm over here like oh my god i could have been killed these white people doing white people shit these white that people, is, white people shit. shit. Yes, it is. Uh, I, I, to this day, I still hold the story to them. Hookups are dangerous. Oh my god, I've had some you wild know, I, stories. I don't like to go to other people's houses for hookups because, like, I'm always afraid that, like, especially when I was like in high school or like I started college, and like I would go back home because I would be afraid that like their parents were gonna come in the middle of it. And the last thing I need is to be on their son's dick while they open their bedroom and see, like, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to jump out the window? Like, what am I supposed, like, they're going to, like, fucking try to, like, whoop my ass while I'm fucking butt-ass naked while I'm still on your son? Attack, like, 
I mm -mm, I like people that come to me. I I can't do that. No. Mm -mm. And you won't catch me being a ride or die for other people's hookups because no. no. Yeah, that, that was a lot. Aaron, I've had I have some stories. I have gathered <laughs> enough stories to tell my children, and I'm excited for it. <laughs> You're gonna tell your your children your hookup stories when they're old enough to understand it. Oh my god! Do you, do you think your children really want to hear that though? I mean, me and my mom talk about it all the damn time. If my kids are anything like me, yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't. They'd be like, "Ooh, share the tea." Oh, I don't know if I would. I don't really plan on having kids anyway, but that's not to tell you from having sex with me. But I don't think I would tell my kids that. It'd definitely be when they're adults. <laughs> but like, I don't want to know, even as an adult myself, I don't want to know my parents' hookup stories if they have. Bless. Any. I don't know. I guess I just have a different relationship with my mom. Like, I would definitely not tell my aunt and uncle, but with my mom, I'm like, and this should be, if there's someone in the world that should know know the most about me, it should be my partner and my mama. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, and, and I mean, I've, I've heard some of my mom's stories. Some of them I didn't want to hear about. Some of them were quite interesting. I was like, oh, Jarita, spicy. Yeah. My first hookup in Maryland was this older guy. He wasn't really that much older. He was like maybe like his late 20s. Um, and he came over. And like I, I had like roommates here, so I was very like trying not to like not let them see me have a hookup. And he came over and he had a fucking red solo cup in his hand. And he was literally like fucking drinking. And he was like, Can I smoke in here? And I was like, No, you can't fucking smoke weed in my fucking house. Like, like, what do you think this is? And like he like tried to like ask me questions, like get to know me. And I was like, I'm here to suck your dick. I'm not here for you to ask me questions. Like we're on a fucking it's literally two o'clock in the morning. I have work in the morning. I, I'm just here just to suck your dick. And like he had a, like it was a very, very, very large dick. Like to the point, and I had not like had sex in a very long time because of COVID. But like it, like I told you, like when I sucked, when I got that second dick the next morning, like my entire jaw was like extremely sore. And it was sore for like a couple of days, Josh. Oh my God. Yeah. But you know, my head game was still very perfect. So. Look at you, boo. Thank you. <laughs> Artist guy one on Instagram and Snapchat. <laughs> you want to experience my phenomenon, phenomenal blowjob skills. Which this transitions into a new topic that we can talk about next week is what is it like, Aaron, to be a sod? Oh my God. Yes. Yes. We need to talk about that because I, yes, yes, yes. We'll see. Okay. I don't, okay. I don't want to go into it, but like, I don't know if I am or not. Like, I don't really like particularly like anal sex, but then there's sometimes when I do like it. But I'm like, I never want to actually like do it. Okay. Maybe um, you're a gray side, like you're in proximity to sadness. Oh, that's probably correct. Yes. Everything's a spectrum. It is. You're right. Okay. Well, this podcast has gone on for a very long time. I apologize to people who are here for 30 minute podcasts, but. <laughs> This was a lot, and I have to remember to edit out his name because Josh literally said it three times. <laughs> Did you just say it again? No, I said I said it three times. Oh, okay. I was like, you just out here exposing people. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, by the time you listen to this, it'll be after the 4th of July. Even though I don't celebrate the 4th of July, happy 4th of July, I guess. Um, even though it's not really Independence Day for some of us. Um, and remember to follow us on Instagram at Black Ruth Podcast. And um, also give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I don't know if you can do that on Spotify, but if you can, you should also do that. Um, Certainly. And we will see you next time. Bye.